0: To uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, welcome to episode 63 of Stay Grounded. Hope you guys are ready for an incredible start to February. can't believe we're already one month in. I'm super excited to introduce this week's guest. This is Marla Mattinson. So, Marla's episode is actually very timely because it's Valentine's Day around the corner. I thought I'd bring on somebody who has a lot of insight into how to have successful relationships, whether it's romantic. This one's focuses mostly on romantic, but in general, just the art of having an amazing relationship while you are creating a life you love from being an entrepreneur or somebody who's very focused on building a career. So, You may be familiar with the name of this month's guest, and that's because I interviewed Marla's partner, Julian Kolker, on episode 33 of Stay Grounded. So if you haven't listened to that one, totally go do it either before or after this episode. They go hand in hand. But Marla is a relationship intimacy expert who specializes in coaching entrepreneurial couples. So like I said, if you're in a relationship with another entrepreneur or someone with an entrepreneur mindset, and when I say entrepreneur mindset, I mean a growth mindset. Somebody who doesn't settle, wants to go after what they want in their life and or constantly pushing for more, you sort of understand the challenges that come from being with that type of person. And I personally have been in a relationship for a while now, and I could totally resonate with a lot of the things that Marla was teaching. But what I had never viewed my relationship as, so Marla opened up a really different way of thinking for me, and that was using your relationship as a mirror to fuel radical self-awareness so that you can both fly higher. And that's what we we'll really talk about on this episode. So Marla oozes with passion and enthusiasm for her work and was overflowing with practical ideas and suggestions that you can start using with your partner today. So everything from the mirror tactic to the importance of being unapologetically kind to the power of presence and the one to 10 test. This episode, I guarantee you, will equip you with a ton of tools that will help you create more intimacy and connection at home while you are pursuing a mission or a business or a skill or a hobby or just more growth in life. Because I do think that in today's day and age, uh, we try to derive growth. and fu- I think growth and fulfillment is a vehicle that leads to a very fulfilling life. And I think that connection is the second piece to it. So when you can combine connection, growth, presence, and all of these concepts that create fulfillment and allow your relationship to be on the road to that, it creates an incredible Incredibly beautiful thing. And I can't wait for Marla to explain that. So, when I say Marla is a specialist in this, I mean, she has over 23 years of experience and has helped over 12,000 couples, including Academy Award winning actors, producers and directors, NBA players and coaches, Grammy Award winning artists, and multimillionaire entrepreneurs. So, she's really seen every side of the spectrum of crazy and uh, irrational and ambitious. And so, I hope you guys are really excited for this week's episode. So, but before we jump into the episode, if you haven't already, please subscribe to us on iTunes. All that means is that every single time we get a new episode, it just drops in your inbox and uh, join the Stay Grounded conversation. Visit rajana.com forward slash Stay Grounded You can get access to the Facebook community, to the additional content that we create for the podcast. This is all done so that we can create a life that is extraordinary. And so hope you guys enjoy this week's episode as much as I did recording it. But without further ado, here is the amazing Marla Manson. Yo, 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 welcome back to another episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you're all having a fantastic day so far. I'm sure as hell having a very fantastic day because I'm sitting across from one of my favorite people ever, Miss Marla. How are you, Marla.
1: I am so, so grateful to be here. I'm so happy. I get to actually see your face right now. So I'm super happy.
0: Yeah, likewise. Uh, the feeling is definitely mutual. So for everybody who's listening and, and likely finds Marla's name familiar, this is the wonderful partner in crime to Mr. Julian Kolker, who was an earlier guest on our show. And that episode was so popular that I wanted to make sure we brought out Marla. To share the other side of the story and just go down the rabbit hole the way we love to.
1: I loved that episode. I listened to that episode like five times.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was uh, it it was it was a game changer for a lot of people. I still get messages from folks. So kudos, Julian, and love you, Marla. So let's go ahead and get started, though, because I am passionately curious to just talk to you. (laughs) I mean, I always love talking to you just because you have such a unique perspective on relationships in general. So I wanted to start there and, and kind of dive into, one, I love that you guys focus on entrepreneurial couples, which is, to me, a really interesting idea in, in general, just because entrepreneurs have so much going on at all times. But I think that the same concepts apply to just any relationships in general. What have you found different from entrepreneur couples and then from conventional couples in the challenges that people face? on a day-to-day basis?
1: Ooh, that's already a big question. I love it. So entrepreneur couples, one of the reasons why I love working with entrepreneur couples is there's sort of embedded in their DNA, a risk-taking, a growth mindset, the ability to sit through massive discomfort and make choices for their greatest good anyway, And I love that. Whether you're an entrepreneur or you're an employee or you're a student, if you have the entrepreneur mindset, it's going to help you in so many ways in your life. And so couples who are, are both entrepreneurs are both on a daily basis practicing taking risks and taking a leap of faith, right? And putting themselves out there and being more vulnerable and visible in the world through their business, through their product, through their services. And so my personal enjoyment comes from working with people who are doing that kind of work in the world or being that kind of a person. And so whether you actually have a business or you're thinking about starting a business um, or you're happy working for somebody else, having the mindset where you want to grow, you want to become the best version of yourself, you want to have access to everything inside of you, not just the good stuff, stuff that's a little dark or shadowy, or, you know, the things you'd like to kind of put away or put a lid on when we actually can excavate all that material and integrate it inside of us, then we have more access to share out within our relationship, in the world, in our business. And that's one of the reasons I love working with entrepreneurs in general.
0: Yeah. And then you said risk-taking, and I want to focus on that for a second Why is risk-taking an important element to exploring? Because it sounds like when you said excavating the shadow and kind of going into concepts that we may not be very comfortable experiencing, how does the concept of risk play into the idea of building strong relationships or even just a better relationship with yourself?
1: So risk-taking is an incredibly vulnerable activity. And we do it both consciously and unconsciously. We unconsciously take risks and we consciously take risks as just as humans on a daily basis. Yeah. We don't realize actually almost everything we do is taking a risk. I mean, if, if you get in an Uber, aren't you taking a risk to know if this Uber driver is actually going to get you to your location on time, that everybody else is going to follow the rules of the road and and move along in a way that we've all sort of agreed upon, there's always some amount of risk happening. Yeah. And what I love is people who actively, consciously want to take risks because what that does is if you're willing to take risks, you're willing to grow and you're wanting to grow because all growth, of course, happens outside of your comfort zone, right? You're, if you're in your comfort zone, there's not a whole lot of change that's going to happen there. It's always outside of the comfort zone where the change is happening. And so with risk-taking, again, it's incredibly vulnerable. And isn't it vulnerable and risk-taking to share the truth with your partner? Yeah. Right? Like, if I have something to say to Julian that's not exactly loving and kind because it's a reflection of him, of something, of how he's impacting me, if I don't have the muscle of taking risks developed, it's going to be really challenging for me to share that information with him without feeling bad about it. Without feeling like, ooh, maybe I should just keep it to myself and not say anything. Well, then I'm limiting his growth. If I refuse to be vulnerable and take the risk to deal with potentially him, you know, rejecting what I'm saying or pushing back or being uncomfortable or being hurt, if I'm not willing to take that risk, I'm actually the limiting factor in his growth. Because if I see something and I don't say it, now I'm contributing to keeping him locked in a pattern that he doesn't want to be in.
0: Let me ask you something, Marla. On that note, though, a lot of times, how do you know if you're saying something to a loved one that's based on growth or based on fear? Because a lot of times, you know, like if somebody says something in a relationship, and, and you know, I can use mine as an example, like there are times where, I honestly feel like some of the feedback I might give is based out of like a fear of something as opposed to me wanting growth for the other person. So how do, you, how do you distinguish between the two and create the nuanced almost sense of hearing that or even intuition to be able to distinguish?
1: So you're bringing up a really important point, which is Julian and I, You know, we're sort of masters of this work. So we have a lot of pre-made agreements. We've already agreed in advance He has agreed with me that I can give him feedback on what I see in him and he can give me feedback on what he sees in me. And so because we have that agreement in place, even if it's ugly, even if it might hurt my feelings, I'm more dedicated to the truth of myself, of his experience of me than anything else. And I'd rather hear the truth than hear anything else. And therefore, he has full permission to give me feedback. Now, what you're talking about is how do you know when what you're giving is coming from a place of wanting this other person to grow or some sort of a fear place? Yeah. The idea is first start with yourself. So always start with yourself in the way that you are genuinely looking for how am I able to grow next? Like, where's my next growth edge? So we all know, you know, I could be better at being consistent in my replies on email. That's just me personally, okay? (laughs) Thank goodness I have, you know, VA. But in any case, a virtual assistant, right? But where you know that you want to grow, if you can name that, and name it to your partner to say, you know, I'd like to get better at being consistent, for example. And then you have a quick discussion about it. And you say, I'd like to develop my consistency and my daily practice. Let's say I want to get back into meditation daily, okay? Yeah. And then you set up some parameters around that. I would love your feedback on how you are witnessing me in my quest to grow in my daily practice. And so Julian does this amazing thing, and I'm going to do it for you visually, but I'll describe it for the listeners. Is he will put his left hand up or any hand, but it's usually the left hand, and he will look at it like it's a mirror for me. And he'll point to it like, Hey, babe, there's something you're not seeing. Look into the mirror of my hand and look and see what you're missing right now about you. Like, what are you seeing in the mirror? I'm trying to help you here. And what this does is it helps me not focus on him being the reflection because if he's just sharing it with me and it's coming out of his mouth, then my focus is on him. And if I don't like what he's saying, I could unintentionally attack him. Yeah. Right? But instead, if I'm looking at the reflection and we have this pre-made agreement, that he can give me feedback, that he can point to that and say, hey, babe, there's something you're missing here. What do you think it is? Mm -hmm. And And I'll go, oh, yeah, I didn't do my meditation today. And I said I wanted to. Thank you for giving me that reflection, for helping me see something that I said I wanted and I'm not doing. So this is how we help each other grow together.
0: I like the tools. So one, the practical tool is brilliant. And that's definitely something that you can utilize. But I think the foundation, which I heard you say a couple of times, was the agreements. How does how do you create agreements that are rooted in like I guess a shared vision for where you want to go? Because I feel like, especially if couples aren't on the same page with certain parts of life, agreements end up being lopsided or agreements actually end up creating fights. So how do you create agreements that are almost rooted in unison?
1: So agreements that are going to be beneficial for both partners have to be a living document, like a living, breathing document. Because if you get into a rigid agreement, like I always want you to do this, or I always want you to say that, there will come a time where you won't enjoy how your partner is giving you that feedback and you'll want to push them away. So it's sort of a continuous check-in on this. But how do you start that agreement in the first place? Right? So... The idea is that in a very calm time in your relationship, you go out to dinner, go to a coffee, go for a walk on the beach, go for a walk around the neighborhood, and you just have a conversation to say, hey, I really want to use our relationship as a tool to grow more myself and to grow together. Are you available for that? And if the answer is yes, then you're on your way, okay? Because our vision is that all couples at, you know, this is our total mission. All couples on the planet will use their relationship as the vehicle for their own personal transformation. That's the idea, is that if every couple was using their relationship for their own personal growth, then everything would change in the world. The biggest and greatest reflection tool we have is our relationship. Unless you live very far apart and don't spend a whole lot of time together. But I'm an entrepreneur. Julian's an entrepreneur. We're together all the time. We work with entrepreneur couples. So we work with people who are constantly immersed with each other. And so that's the greatest reflection. So once you say, yes, I want to use the relationship so that I can know myself more, So that I can be intentional with how I'm moving through the world. So I can understand my impact on you and on our friends, our family, our loved ones out in the world, in the business. I want to be in full integrity as much as possible. And I would love your help with that. And that alone is vulnerable, right? You're opening it up to someone else's opinion about your life.
0: I love the idea of using your relationship as a vehicle for personal growth. How can you use your relationship with yourself as a vehicle for personal growth? Because it sounds like it's just a vehicle. So your relationship with whatever that entity is, whether it's your partner, whether it's yourself, they're all tools. So how do these concepts of agreements come back to almost like an idea of self-care?
1: So I come from the perspective that love is all there is there's nothing other than love. Everything is love. All feedback is love. Everything that happens in life is love because when you think about it, all humans want is to be happy, to enjoy their lives, to experience pleasure, to experience connectedness, right? I mean, we all pretty much want the same thing at a core level. And then we have personal preferences, right? On how that all happens but when you come from the perspective that love is all there is now the filter in which you're seeing the world is through the filter of love so when for example if i want to use myself as the vehicle for personal transformation we have to understand my view of myself is limited because it's within my own thoughts. It's within my own emotions, my own spiritual practice. And I can only see so much of me without oh, yeah. an external tool. Think about it. I literally, my eyes, I can look at the whole front side of my body, a little bit of the backside. I'm not that flexible to look and turn and see, you know, my entire backside. I need an external source. I need a mirror. And what, if, you know, if I can get two mirrors, ooh, amazing. If I can get one from the top, if I get one from underneath, right? What about inside? Yeah. Oh, wow, right? Now we're talking about procedures, right? So the idea is I want to have full access to what is happening in me at any given time. I mean, Julian and I actually just did some functional medicine and got some blood tests, blood work, to see what's happening on the inside. What's happening in my cells? Are they absorbing nutrients? Are they not absorbing nutrients? What's happening? right? The more curious we can be about our own personal journey and then share that with our partners. Hey, here's what's happening for me. What do you notice? I think one of the most beautiful things about my relationship with Julian is how he reflects the truth of how I'm showing up from moment to moment. And it's often painful. It's often very painful to see the truth of How I'm showing up because I can be a bulldozer, I can be very controlling, you know, I'm incredibly sensitive, I'm sensitive to sounds. And so, we have developed this concept of being unapologetically kind, right? You're unapologetic. We live what's called the unapologetic life, right? I am unapologetic with who I am and what I'm doing in the world, and I'm kind, which is different than being nice, right? Being nice is trying to manage other people's feelings and try not to hurt anybody. Being kind is standing in your power and saying the truth with as much love and compassion as possible.
0: Mm, Man, that was beautiful. You said that your, your relationship is a reflection of how you're showing up, which to me feels like it's like how you feel on the inside dictates almost what you experience on the outside. So how do you attract relationships that are meaningful and beautiful and full of love in your life?
1: Mm, So that comes with, you know, uh, who is it? Wallace Waddles, The Science of Getting Rich. That book was written. I actually haven't
0: read that. I've been told about about it. it. I've I've been told I need to read it, but I I haven't read it.
1: Oh my gosh. I'm going to send it to you. Okay. Perfect. (laughs) Okay. Don't worry about it. We're sending it. The Science of Getting Rich is an old school book, you know, it's from the same genre of Napoleon Hill and you know yeah. all of that and it's a very bold bold statement book in terms of wealth creation and everything. But one of the chapters, chapter 14, is all about being the impression of increase. So, the impression of increase. There's different ways that you can take that in. So intellectually, I know I bring value everywhere I go just by being me. Now, I can increase that by having an open heart when I'm walking around, which means I'm not judging people. Or if I am judging people, I catch it real quick and I pivot, right? And I come back to the truth, which is love is all there is. Therefore, this person I see in front of me is also a divine being. This person in front of me also has the same needs and desires that I have for love and security and comfort and happiness, right? Even if they're not acting that way and they're acting in the exact opposite way, I'm in charge of me. Nobody else can shift my balance of my mind except me, period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I take responsibility for how I move through the world. And my favorite way of moving through the world, and I'm not perfect with this, but what I actively work on is bringing value in the form of love, attention, affection, truth, and connection. You know, just more value of uplifting people wherever I go. So if I go to the coffee shop, that the barista is a little happier when I leave. If the people in line are a little annoyed because, you know, they're waiting, I bring a little bit of, of playfulness and enthusiasm, right? So that I can experience my own day filled with joy and grace and ease and other people get to experience that uplifted nature. So when you ask, how do you attract someone for a relationship for, with, you know, good people who you know, are on the same path as you, or they also want to grow by being that person that you would like to be in relationship with, that's how to do it. You have to be that person yourself, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to attract a powerful manifester, somebody who is an amazing listener, someone who is passionate and sexy, someone who owns their confidence, you know, someone who's making moves in the world like go be that person. <laughs> go develop those qualities in yourself. Mm. That's the fastest way to attract. And then go be around scenarios and events and conferences and and locations where those people congregate, right? So go to, you know, like an unfair advantage in New York City with Chris Winfield, right? Go to one of those events where you're going to be surrounded by people who really care about the same things that you do or join a community, listen to these podcasts. And, you know, if you have a live event sometime, like go to that live event. I would come to your live event, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: I'll, I'll keep that door open. You said something that really stood out to me. One was you have this idea of increased impressions, but you can combine that with love or affection or connection. To me, all of those are synonyms for presence. So when you show up presently with yourself, and you show up presently with the people in your life, I feel like it just creates this amazing aura that allows connection to happen easier. What role do you think presence plays in building really amazing relationships? And how do you cultivate it?
1: So there's a couple of things. First of all, cultivating presence is one thing. And what do we mean by presence, right? So if I'm really present, That means that my thought process is not activated when you're talking, right? If I'm fully present with you, I'm receiving what you have to say without thinking about my next response. And this is one of the things that is really challenging for people because it's a total default setting that we all have to just think about what's the next thing we're going to say. I mean, you and I are on a podcast right now. Of course, you need to be thinking about the next thing you're going to say on some level. Debatable. Right? I'm just kidding. (laughs) And at the same time, you actually are an amazing active listener where you're very present with what I'm saying and you're taking that into the next moment. And that is masterful. And this is one of the reasons I was excited to come on your podcast because of how you interview. I've heard so many of your interviews. And the thing is, presence doesn't always mean pleasant. It's not always happy. It's not always you're feeling the love and you've got the sparkly eyes. Being present means being with what is. Meaning if you are uncomfortable or unhappy in any particular moment and you're present with it, Then you can also take it a step further and name it and say it to yourself, put it in writing, write in your journal, or have the courage to share it with your partner. Hey, there's nothing you need to do about this. I just want to share with you what's going on for me internally right now. It's about you. So I just want to check your bandwidth from 1 to 10. How open are you to receiving what I have to say right now, even though you don't have to do anything about it, right? And so then you let your partner respond. I'm like a six. Okay, great. If they're a two, keep it short, right? If they're a 10, you can really let it rip and say the real truth. And you take responsibility for how you're feeling. Hey, I'm feeling a little excluded. You went upstairs to do this thing and you didn't invite me. And, you know, and then I felt a little awkward or whatever the scenario is, you share it. You share the truth of it. And then you ask, you know, how is that for you to hear me say? And so now you're in a dialogue of the truth coming from presence, presence, starting with being aware of what's happening internally first, then sharing it in a way that your partner can actually receive it, right? Because sometimes we just spit it out and say it and we don't know if they're in a place that they can even receive.
0: Mm, That is so powerful. Let me ask you this though. What if, you know, the people around you are more consistently in that two zone or like maybe you're feeling like you really need to say something, but you don't have an outlet to say it the way you need to say it. And then it just gets heavier. So how do you balance your own personal needs with what your environment allows you to share?
1: Yeah, that's a real challenge, right? So let's just talk about something specific. We'll talk about relationship. Let's say you're asking your partner, so, you know, what's your band? We're, we're big fans of the bandwidth question. Right? Okay. What's your bandwidth? <laughs> from zero to 10, you know, what's your bandwidth? Or you can, if you want more nuance, you can go from zero to 100. So, you know, what's your bandwidth? If they're consistently at a two, then you want to say, okay, I have some things that are really important to me. I want to share with you. I need you to be higher than a two. I need you to be at least a six, which is more than half, right? And so... Can we plan for a time where we have at least an hour that we can talk about these things? Yeah. Where you will show up at a six or higher. Can we do that? Let's look at the calendar together. Let's schedule some time where you're going to be relaxed, not at the end of a busy day, not when we have family around, you know, when we're private and we can just do this together. I, mm-hmm. And the reason... Is, it's not to bombard you. It's because I love you and I want to get closer. And I feel like I'm holding on to some things that we can just let go of together and move through. And yet if I can't, then I'll be stuck. So this is taking personal responsibility, right? I'll be stuck and I don't want to be stuck. And therefore I need your help. So can you let me know when are you available to show up as a sick?
0: Marla, that is like, I I think you, I I don't know if you know this, but you are so brilliant at articulating your emotional states. And I I love that about you and actually Julian as well. Like both of y'all are just so good at communicating what you're feeling in a way that doesn't offend, that doesn't come off as aggressive, that doesn't come off as just harmful or hurtful or even from a place of lack. Like it's very loving. How do you develop that? Like that, that's, that's what I think is, the, I mean, if I personally knew how to communicate like you did in my relationship, literally, I don't think we would ever fight. Like, how do you do it? And, and how do you, how do you cultivate that?
1: So I have to say the single most important thing I've ever done in my entire life is to go sit a Vipassana course, a 10 day silent meditation retreat. Mm. and then my first retreat I sat it was 2003 August of 2003 and I've been sitting meditation ever since and the idea there is and it doesn't have to be Vipassana but Vipassana is sitting with what is and it's about observing the physical sensations that are happening in your body and training your mind to not react to them to not react to those physical sensations because when you think about it Something happens in the external life, something you like, pleasant sensations in your body. Something happens in your outside life that you don't like, unpleasant sensations happen in the body, right? And it can be something external, like someone saying something to you, or it can be an internal thought. It doesn't even have to come from the outside. It can come from the inside. And so we're constantly in this addictive cycle of positive and negative, happy loving, wonderful, pleasant sensations and very unpleasant, uncomfortable sensations. And the idea is that we get comfortable with the entire spectrum of sensation and we view it as sensation rather than good and bad, rather than, you know, pain and discomfort. We just view it as intensity or less intensity. And that's all like I am really activated And I'm feeling a lot of sensation right now. So my bandwidth is a little lower at the moment. And so that's how to take how you're feeling. And if you can't feel the sensations in your body, you can definitely hear the thoughts in your mind. If you have negative thoughts, I guarantee you, you have unpleasant sensations. There's one exception to that. And that's when we have a history of violence or physical abuse where we have actual crossed wires. And the crossed wires are when something Bad is happening, sometimes we get pleasant sensations from that. Mm. And so that's one of the scenarios I just want to mention. That's one of the scenarios where you could actually have pleasant sensations when something negative is happening, and you could have unpleasant sensations when something so called positive is happening, like in sex, for example, right? If you have sexual trauma, you might not have pleasant sensations arising, you might have unpleasant sensations arising because that needs to be healed. How do you heal? I mean, I highly recommend meditation to get very grounded with the truth of what's happening. And then a skilled therapist who's trained in trauma, a skilled therapist or a skilled trauma expert who works on a sensation level, who works on a physical level. Yeah, My friend Irene Lyon is somebody who's amazing, who works with that kind of trauma and releasing trauma. She trains people. It's incredibly important. Anybody who's been through any kind of Abuse, certainly sexual abuse, needs to get that kind of healing so they can take ownership over it and start to experience pleasure from physical interacting, right? Yeah. And instead of fear and contraction.
0: And I want to go back to kind of what you said about your thoughts and sensations almost being hand in hand um, in, in most conventional cases. Okay, let's say those are hand in hand. How do you make those voices louder? Or how do you make those voices speak better or have super highways of telephone lines that are like almost instantaneous to where your thoughts actually dictate the way you feel and then the way you feel actually dictates what you think?
1: Okay, this is so good. I'm so enjoying this. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the thing. Number one, which is one of the most important skills for a relationship is you have to listen. So if you want to hear more clarity around your thoughts and around your sensations, you have to listen, but listen in a particular way because we could listen with judgment or we could listen with curiosity and a certain type of curiosity, playful curiosity, right? We can listen with like, oh, that's what... So when Julian's standing at the sink doing dishes and doing it in a way that's his way, that's not my way right that's whatever he's doing the thoughts that go through my mind every once in a while are like why is he doing it like that full of judgment full of judgment right? <laughs> why, why is he doing that why wouldn't he do it like this it's so it's such a waste of time right all of the judgments that have first of all it's just a complete waste of time for the, all of that to be happening and now what am i doing i'm sending negativity to my partner in the unseen world instead of focusing on something positive, focusing on what he is doing, which is, oh my God, he's doing the dishes, which he often does. And I'm so grateful for. And as soon as I'm listening to myself and I become aware, oh, judgmental thoughts. And I turn inward first, instead of just spouting something out my mouth which has happened in the past, right? Which always leads to conflict. Instead of speaking out loud, I go inside and I get curious with a lot of playfulness. Like, ooh, look at you judging. Oh, where's that coming from? Where's that sensation? Oh yeah, I feel it in my throat. I feel it in my chest. I feel it in my jaw. And now can I get curious even more and watch how it changes? So this is about impermanence right? Impermanent. He's not going to be standing there forever at the sink. Yeah. These sensations are not going to last forever. Those thoughts are momentary. They're not going to last forever. So understanding the reality of life, which is everything is impermanent. Nothing is permanent, but we understand it intellectually. We don't understand it experientially because we act as if it's permanent.
0: Well, you're indulging, right? Like you're, and and I think there's a a healthy level of patience that you develop not only with your partner, but also with the emotions you're feeling, you know, because if I feel something, the first thing that's going to come out is I need to scratch that itch. I have to tell what's on my mind because it's important and I have to get it out. So how do you develop the patience? You said curiosity, which was one way, and that is a way, but I think before curiosity comes there's like, there has to be a level of patience,
1: I agree. I agree. You definitely have to have so before patience comes the desire to know the truth. If you don't have the desire to know and see and live by the truth and be dedicated to that, you will always be looking for a way to offload the negativity that you have inside and share it with others through blame, through judgments, through all of the negative channels. And when you choose in advance, I'm dedicated to knowing who I am, not just who I think I am, not just who I project myself to be in social media, not just who I am with these situations, but who I really am. When you have that as your core foundation as a human, that's where patience arises from, because you have to have patience, like you said, to listen. And you won't want to listen to the tr- to the truth unless the foundation underneath that is that you want to hear the truth above all else.
0: Hear the truth above all else. So, truth—the pursuit of truth, not the pursuit of feeling or opinion, or not even—I think I think it's feeling. It has to be feeling, because when you run off of feeling, that's when. Truth doesn't matter.
1: Sure. Isn't this what happens in business all the time? Like how many people run their business off of emotion and feeling rather than the truth, which is, oh, we're running in the red. We need to make a profit here. Let's turn something around. What needs to change? Oh, well, I don't want to stop doing this because this is my baby. I love to do it. You know, it's not making money. Okay. Well then, you know, put it into a hobby category and not a business. Let's make that Let's make the truth out of it. Put it into the category of a hobby or something with philanthropy or something that you gift and give away as part of service. But let's not call it a business.
0: Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's, that's a great parallel. And that actually births the, my next question. One, I love that. Just the idea of you, you just used an example in business as a parallel with relationships. What other parallels exist between doing great work or building a business, and fostering meaningful relationships?
1: So you know you're totally in my zone of genius right now. This is one of the things that I love to do and that obviously I love to do with Julian is help entrepreneur couples see how the dynamic in their relationship is impacting their business and vice versa. The dynamics in the business, how they're showing up in the business, impacts their relationship. So for example... Let's say that you're an entrepreneur and you're in a relationship and you have a hard time telling your partner the real truth, like, cause you don't want to hurt their feelings or you don't want to deal with their reaction, right? Or you just don't have the bandwidth to deal with it because you're busy running your business and, you know, you're just overloaded and you know you need to deal with it, but you're like, let's just wait until we have more time, right? So you have one of those scenarios going on where you're, for whatever reason, you're not sharing the real truth. Okay. We call that hiding out. Okay. You're hiding out and you're not sharing the truth in your relationship. Therefore, there's some way in which you're afraid to be more visible with the truth in your relationship. Okay. From there, let's now turn and look at the business. If you are afraid to speak the truth in your relationship for whatever reason, then in the business, there will be some aspect of hiding. Something in your business, you will be keeping to yourself, not quite sharing with the people you need to share with. There will be some one-to-one correlation between how you're showing up with the hiding in the relationship and not really sharing the truth and how you're showing up in your business. So let's say, for example, that your business is, is a coaching business. And you are, you know, working to get more visible and get more clients. Well, if you're hiding in your relationship, then there are some opportunities that you will not see or experience in your business because of that hiding.
0: So it seems like it's almost the, the glue that or at least the common thread between relationships is in business really is your almost like your relationship with trust. Or is, is is trust like the fabric? So if you embrace trust more, and if you're more vulnerable in your relationship in a way where because there's a strong foundation of trust, does that directly translate over to like, is, is that the thread that connects both of them? Or are there more factors?
1: It's more vulnerability. Okay. So like, let's look at it through that lens. So the more you're willing to be vulnerable and intimate in your relationship, then it, as you're building your business, part of building a business is sharing your business with others. And if you share from a perspective of vulnerability, meaning, you know, Hey, here's the real mission behind our business. Like your 2020 vision, right? Like looking at what's going to be happening in 2020. I want to have a vision for 2020, for 2025, for 2030, right? I want to have a vision for what's happening 10 years from now. And if I don't share that vision out in the world then I'm doing all of my potential customers a disservice because they don't know what I'm doing. It's being powerfully vulnerable. It's being powerful in your vulnerability. It's not being weak in any way. It's like, you're such a great role model for this for me personally, because you have this bigger vision and you share it. It's taken me a long time. And I still am not amazing at sharing the bigger vision of our business out in the world. And it's because for me, I've been working on being seen in relationship. And that's what's been helping me now. Now that I feel completely seen in my relationship, it's totally changing the way that we do business. Because if I can receive anything from my partner, then there's nothing anyone can do or say to me in the outside world that's going to impact me in terms of like a painful response like it is in relationship.
0: Yeah. And it's almost like a like a safe place that you can test these boundaries of what you're capable of. And and, in in a way that not only nourishes a relationship, but also prepares you for whatever is coming. I love the parallels that are drawn because and I appreciate the the kind words by the way, but like I, I think that like There's so much I do well in business that I don't do well in my relationship. And there's likely a lot of stuff I do well in my relationship that I don't do in my business. And so for me, like I feel like there's something that I can learn from both and apply. But how do you become aware of what you need to be taking from this bucket and taking to that one and then what you need to be taking from this bucket and taking? Like, How do you know what's missing where?
1: Yeah. So we call that skill transference, right? So you have this amazing ability to create this incredible business and get it out there to the world. How do you take the skills that it took to develop that and bring that into relationships? So let me... Can I ask you a question? Sure. Okay. So what's one skill or quality that you know you have in business that has really helped you that is just like, oh my gosh, if I didn't have this... I don't think I'd have the business I have today.
0: Probably my ability to articulate a vision.
1: Okay. Amazing. So can I ask, can I go there with you? Sure. Okay. You can always say no. Okay.
0: I never say no. so <laughs> you're, you're, you're on the right show.
1: Okay. Perfect. <laughs> this is all in service. So have you and your partner ever articulated a vision together of the relationship?
0: Not. To the degree I've done in my business.
1: So we encourage all couples to not only have a business vision, but also to have a relationship vision. Mm. And and what that does, and you know that it gives you a map, it gives you a roadmap, like here's the vision. So we know no matter where we are on the path, I could be skewed off to the right or the left, or I could be right in alignment with that path. But I know that all roads lead to Rome, right? I'm going to this vision no matter what. Even if I take three detours and have a drama here and a challenge there, I'm getting here. And it's the same in relationships. So it's the relationship vision is more like this How do I want to show up in a conflict with you? How do you want to show up in a conflict with me? How do we want to deal with when family issues arise? How do we want to show up long term? Like, who do you want to be? in five years with me, right? Like what are the qualities that you want to develop in yourself over the next five years so that you and I are reaching our relationship vision? We're getting there every step along the way and we help each other course correct. And the idea is that you have a really playful, relaxed, loving experience together to create the vision together where you're doing it together. And this is, it's a vulnerable thing. It's an intimate thing. It brings up all kinds of issues of, well, I don't really want that. Oh, great. I'm so glad I get to know. Because if you don't want this part of the relationship vision, but I do now, we, I mean, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Let's see if we can resolve that. And if we can't, then let's get some professional help to see if we can resolve it. But the idea is that we do it together and you build that vision together.
0: Thank you for that example. Because that was very clear. And I was so like, I, I see the connection now. It's almost like, I mean, uh, me personally, I'm so good at managing my business or in like running a business. I think taking that same level of ownership in the relationship, but doing it together. It's not like I'm the sole founder, we're co-founders in this little thing that we are creating. And that is, uh, so like looking at it like a business for me at least, makes so much more sense. That was awesome. <laughs> You're awesome.
1: Uh, thank you. I'm so glad, Raj, because you, know, you just hit on a word that is essential, which is collaboration. We're going to do it as a collaborative effort. Julian and I collaborate on everything. And I used to be like, the solopreneur. I used to be the independent woman who, you know, handled everything and made all the decisions. I had to learn how to include him in all the decision-making processes. And I did not do an amazing job. And I forgot to do it for a number of times to include him. And I would make decisions that then later he'd say, what the heck, like, I'm part of this decision-making process. And only because of default. The default setting in me was like, oh, handle it on your own, right? And so I had to learn how to collaborate in the business. It was easier for me to collaborate in relationship, not as easy to collaborate in the business. And so now we collaborate completely. And now we collaborate in the relationship in a whole new way because I learned what it really means to collaborate together in a business. So I love that you say that you're co-founders of the relationship, and I'm just going to take it one step further, which is to have a weekly meeting, a weekly check-in, a week-y, weekly like love check-in to see how are we doing in our relationship vision? You know, what's happening? And we love, you know, a lot of people use different um, techniques. We love the rosebud thorn technique. Right, yeah, big fan. Yeah. You know, like celebration is the rose, the bud is what's brewing, what's on deck, what are we working on, and the thorn is what's getting in the way. So having that as the foundation of a weekly check-in where you could just go for a walk around the block together for a half an hour and call that your weekly check-in. Say, hey, let's do our love check-in. What's something to celebrate about what we've done great this week in relationship? And how are you developing as an individual? I want to hear. Tell me. Let's celebrate that. I want to celebrate you, right? Right. Life just goes so fast, and we forget to do these little things that really matter. And they stack up; they stack up to have a really fulfilling life.
0: Man, I'm, yeah, I am yeah, I I agree like a million percent with everything you just said. I particularly love Rosebud Thorn uh, for everyone listening. Rosebud Thorn is a little game you can play where each person shares a rose, a bud and a thorn. And Marla definitely explained what that is. I'm not going to repeat it, but it's a beautiful game to play, whether you're with friends, as an icebreaker, and now clearly in relationship. I'm really excited to kind of put all this to work. Thank you so much, Marla, for just creating such a beautiful space to explore these concepts. And I love the work you guys are doing. If any of our listeners wanted to learn more about The work you're doing, get more involved, just fall in love with you and Julian. How do they do that?
1: Oh, we would love that. So the easiest way right now is just go to my website, marlamattinson.com. We have a great opt-in there. We don't send a ton of emails, so don't worry about that. But it's a technique called the redo. And it teaches you how to redo a really not amazing moment in your life and relationship on the spot to literally rewire your brain in the moment so you never have to say, I'm sorry ever again. Mm. fabulous technique and it works with kids it works with colleagues it works in business it works with your partnerships so definitely come on check it out and and then check out all our social media stuff we'd love to
0: see you perfect well marla you know i'm in love with you and julian and i love that we got to explore and play and, and just dance the way we just did i have one last question for you And that is in the midst of everything you've been through, everything you continue to do and everything you're continuing to create, both in life, love and everything in between. How do you stay grounded?
1: I stay grounded by always remembering the truth, which is I came into this lifetime to be more than just the daughter of Miles and Shelly, who are my parents. I came into this lifetime to be a child of the universe, a child of God. And I'm here to just let that flow through me and let that vision flow through me from moment to moment. And that is my job. That is my work on earth. And that's what keeps me grounded.
0: Mm. God, that's such a yeah. mic dropped. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, Marla, again, thank you so much for making the time and for sharing your expertise with me and and the audience. Now you probably got a few fans out of this. But everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your friend, Marla. And from us, Stay Grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life.